what you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected. Nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon became a nightmare. For 30 years, the files collected dust in the Cole Cases Division of the Travis County Police Department. Over 1,300 pieces of evidence were collected from the crime scene at the Hewitt residence. Yet none of the evidence was more compelling than the classified police footage of the crime scene walkthrough. You know, before you try to go Now this is my own show Not a script or flip could make me stop So just behave I mean there's no escape Let's hope you make that drop Because you really don't want to take me off And oh, what fun I will tell you what to do And you will get it done Welcome to Horror for Dummies, episode 96. I am your lone host today. My name is Tim, and I'm all by myself this evening. I'm all by myself on the first episode of the Halloween month, which uh, it's a shame. Yes, unfortunately, Jaleesa could not be with us tonight. She's come down with the flu, and I mean, it's going around at the moment. Darian from the Padded Room podcast had it the other day. He sounded fucking horrible. Now Jaleesa has it, it's spreading overseas, it's some sort of zombie plague virus that's just going rampant, and to be honest, I'm starting to come down with it too, but I have to give you guys an episode. I mean, we're in the month of Halloween, and what, I'm not going to give you an episode? Pfft, bullshit. Of course I'm going to come in with an episode. So if this sounds bad, I'm sorry, and if it's a little shorter, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm just copying the Padded Room podcast right now, to be honest, but... Shit happens. We are here, episode 96, and we are, uh, we're doing the season of the saw. I've got so many seasons right now going around, but on the Padded Room Network, if you hadn't known, we're doing season of the saw, and we are talking all about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, over on the Padded Room podcast, they're doing the Sawyer's side of the story, but over here, over in Australia... Here at Horror for Dummies, we're covering the Hewitts, the Hewitt family side of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why? Well, we'll get into it. We will We will get into why I picked the Hewitt side of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but we have the usual show to get into, and it's just going to be me, so it's just going to be me rambling on for an hour and whatnot about horror movies and, and different things. So if you're down with that, thank you. 
if you are not, if you're here only because of Julissa, then that's cool. I mean, I get it. She's she's the eye candy of this show. I'm not in uh, any way the the eye candy for this show. I'm more the more the voice, I guess. Anyway, we are got we've got a show to do. We're going to do the what horrors have we done? The news report. We've got the franchise fights to continue, and there's a little bit of a an incident I had with that. Not happy, Jan. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003, the remake starring Jessica Biel. Before we do any of that, let's go and talk about what horror movies or, or horror things I've been doing in the past week with What Horrors Have I Done? What Horrors Have You Done? The month of October has started. Halloween season has started. If you are anything like me, do you feel that when October comes around, the month of Halloween, you feel like you've got to do so much more in the world of horror just to, I don't know, just to, just because it's Halloween season? I feel like I've got to go above and beyond with, with Halloween season. So this year, um, everyone's doing the 31 days of, of Halloween or 31 days of horror, whatever you want to call it, when they watch 31 movies over the course of the entire month. 31 days. And I, I did this, I tried to do this last year. I failed. Um, but this year, I'm, I'm going to do it. But everyone's doing their own kind of spin off with it, whether it be they're, they're doing different subgenres or, or, or new movies, whatever. I, I thought I'd go in a different direction this year. And this is something that I, I, I thought of. And this could be like my yearly thing. So what I'm doing is. I'm calling it Season of the Wolf, uh, where I'm watching 31 werewolf movies. So over the course of October, I'm going to be watching 31 different werewolf movies, and this is something I'm going to be doing every Halloween. Not werewolf movies, but next year I might do Season of the Zombie, or Season of the of the, uh, of the Bat, or, or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it gets me out there and, and makes me watch movies that I would, I've never seen before. Um, which is what I've been doing this past week. I mean, it's only it's only the uh, the fifth of October as of this recording. So I've watched five werewolf movies so far, and um, and I'm going to go through them with you. I was going to do a spin off, a a separate show, like a Halloween separate show, talking about my werewolf films, but I, I decided against that. I thought I'd, I'd do I'd, I'd put it on here. So so we'll start off with the start. So the 1st of October, I watched a, The Company of Wolves, which was actually a first-time watch for me. This one's from 1984, and I'm, I'm going to come clean. I wasn't huge into this movie. It's um, it's very fairy tale based it's, it's basically a different story of, of Little Red Riding Hood um, crossed with other different fairy tales. And it's, it's a very much a dreamscape type film, and I wasn't really feeling it, it is very slow, there's not much action, the practical effects for their time would have been cool, but now they're very dated, like when you put it up against some of the better werewolf films, such as uh, American Werewolf in London, it really does feel dated, in saying that, the transformation scene in The Company of Wolves isn't horrible, it just, it, it's, it's, it's a bit different, um, I'm, I'm sure most people 
know what the transformation scene is. Um, it, it was okay. It was okay. Um, the thing is, these werewolves, they just look like normal wolves. And I hate that. I, I hate that when they do that in films where they just make werewolves look like normal normal wolves. Which is one of my biggest gripes with the Twilight series. Amongst many different problems I have with those movies. But, all in all, everyone seems to be raving about the company of wolves. Everyone I've, I've talked to... Um, seems to like this film but I don't know it just wasn't really for me and I read a lot of reviews on this film saying it's in the reigns of Suspiria in the dreamlike state and maybe that's why I didn't like it because I didn't like Suspiria I'm not a fan of Suspiria um I haven't even seen the remake but yeah maybe that's why I just it wasn't my thing I gave it a 5 out of 10 because it's done well it isn't all right it isn't a, a a well-made movie it just the story was very very slow there's not much happening into it it's more uh it's more of a slow burn type werewolf film so if you're into that type of stuff if you're into a suspiria i guess is what people are saying then maybe this might be for you um it seems to have its fan base but i was just not really one of them so that was the first werewolf film i checked out We'll jump over to the 2nd of October, where I watched a newer werewolf film. This one is very under underrated. Um, not many people talk about it when we talk about werewolf films, but it's honestly one of my favourites. The movie is called How, from 2015. Basically, it's werewolves on a train. I'm like, I, <laughs> trains make everything better. I mean, you've got like look at look at how many different train type movies there are. I mean, you got Terror Train, you got Snakes on a Train. That's right. I said I said train, not plane. There is Snakes on a Train, Train to Busan, which is in my opinion one of the best zombie movies ever. And now you've and then you got How Werewolves on a Train. This one is awesome. I fucking love this movie. Because you have this group of survivors, it's basically a survival horror, where you have a group of people who are getting picked off one by one by these werewolves. And I say werewolves um, loosely, well, I mean, yeah, they are werewolves, but they don't look like your typical werewolves. You don't, when you think of werewolves, this isn't what pops up. These ones are a lot looking a lot differently, which um, which is not a bad thing. These werewolves look pretty cool. They're just not your traditional-looking vamp uh, vampires, traditional-looking werewolves. All in that, I really, really enjoy it, and it's one of those films that every time I rewatch it, it just goes up in score for me. At the moment, it's sitting at a nine out of ten. I just, I really, really like this movie. There's, there's enough gore in it to satisfy me. The werewolves look great. The transformation scenes um, are CGI to some extent, but they do the job, so, I enjoy this film, man, if you haven't seen it, go and search it out, it's from 2015, it is a British film, um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a must watch if you're a werewolf type fan, uh, so go check out How. Alright, we jump on over to the 3rd of October, and I decided to watch the movie Big Bad Wolf from 2006, and this stars Richard Tyson. That name might not ring a bell, but he's the bad dude from Kindergarten Cop. Remember him? 
that guy, yeah, he's in this movie, and I don't think it's not much of a spoiler alert by saying that he is the werewolf in this movie. This movie is very heavy on the bestiality, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, if that's your thing, cool, you go for it. Fuck that horse, man. But I went into this, I've seen this once before, years and years and years ago, and I remember hating it. Watching it now, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm going to sit here and say that it was the best werewolf film ever. It's, it's not at all. But it was actually a lot of fun. I did have fun with this. It's, it's a kind of a, in some ways, a mystery. Um, but you, it's very predictable. You know who's the werewolf. They kind of spoil that early in the movie. Um, but you do get a lot of um, <laughs> werewolf on female action. <laughs> which which is uh different i guess um but it's not a bad movie i was i went in kind of dreading going in to watch this film but i came out thinking that wasn't as bad as i remembered um there is a decent amount of gore in it the the werewolf is all practical effects which i'm a fan of it's not the best looking werewolf i've seen but far from Far from the worst. I mean, it looks like a fucking werewolf. It doesn't look like a normal wolf. And the funny thing about this movie is the werewolf talks in this. And it talks as as if you'd imagine how a werewolf would talk. It's uh, very crude. It's basically me with a deeper voice. A deeper and ruskier voice. So, <laughs> it's, it's not a film to be taken seriously in the slightest. Um, but it's still worth a watch if you, if you come into contact with it. So that's Big Bad Wolf. We'll then jump onto the 4th of October and I decided to watch a, uh, a film called Underworld Rise of the Lycans. Now I'm sure most people know of the franchise Underworld, Kate Beckinsale with the vampires and the whales and the whatnot. This one is mainly about the Lycans, and I chose this film because I didn't want to... I, I needed to choose werewolf films that the werewolf is the main subject. So I couldn't have... For example, I didn't. I couldn't choose a Van Helsing, I couldn't choose a Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, because in those movies, the werewolf kind of takes a back seat to the other monsters. Um, so I needed to pick something that had the werewolves up front. So, Rise of the Lycans, this is all about the werewolves, all about the Lycans. And this isn't a bad movie. I'm not a huge Underworld fan. Uh, Jell really likes them. Jell is a big fan of the Underworld films. Um, I don't hate them in any sense of the world, but they're not my favorite. It's not a franchise I would pick out and say, hey, let's revisit Underworld. And to be truthfully honest with you, I don't even think I've seen the latest one. I think it's called Blood Wars. Um, should I see that? Let me know. Um, but yeah, Rise of the Lycans isn't bad. I enjoyed myself with it. The biggest problem with this film is the CGI in this movie. It looks absolutely horrendous. And that's the biggest problem because Underworld, everyone knows that franchise, is a big Hollywood blockbuster franchise, you think they'd have a bigger budget for uh, for CGI and stuff like this. It's mainly when the werewolves are running or, or climbing 
um, that it looks really, really bad. I'm talking like PlayStation 2 type quality. They're, they're not PlayStation 1, I'll give them that, but still, it's not the best CGI out there. Uh, beyond that, I, I, I enjoyed the film. Would I watch it again, though? Probably... Oh, it, it, maybe. Maybe. Not anytime soon, though. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's a, it's a decent movie. Uh, is it the best Underworld film? No. But it's not the worst. Um, I did enjoy it. So, And if we're talking Underworld, I'm slowly on the side of the Lycans. I'm all about the werewolves, baby. So, yeah. Now we come to October 5th. And I literally just finished watching my latest season of The Wolf episode. And I decided to go back to 1957. And I watched a film called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Um, this was a first time watch for me. And this movie goes for 76 minutes. So an hour and 15 minutes. Hour and 16 minutes, whatever. Um, this one, of course, is black and white. Um, and it, it's runtime is kind of its biggest downfall because they cram in as much as they can with this movie and it's kind of just wrapped up in a neat little bow. You can basically tell what's going to happen by the start of this movie. It starts off by two guys having a fight. One of them has anger issues and has to see a doctor. Have a guess what happens next. So you can basically tell what's going to happen in this movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just not... A great movie. Now, the werewolf in this movie is very much... Well, sorry. The transformation scenes in this movie are very much the same as the original Wolfman, where it's just a time lapse. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't look that great. I mean, think of what the Wolfman looks like, but think of sharper and more fangs that stick out like Urkel or something like that. It... It, um, <laughs> it looks, it, it's, it's not the best werewolf design ever. Still, it's a somewhat entertaining film. Um, this one is on YouTube. That's how I saw it. It's on YouTube. It only goes for an hour and 16 minutes. If you are in the mood for a old classic werewolf monster film, give it a go. There is a lot worse you can do. But this one is probably not one that I will re-watch again. Just simply for the fact that it... I don't need to. You know, I know what happens. And it, it's done. It's dusted. Cool. It was alright. Won't have to watch you again. So, I'm not mad I saw it. But, yeah. It's not, it's not my favourite. So, if you are searching for a werewolf film... Out of those five, I say... Rec I, I would recommend How. Out of those five... But still, I will keep continuing on my 31 days of werewolf films. <clears throat> now on to other films that I've been watching. Let's talk about some newer films that, are, that I've checked out. So I, uh, I got to see a couple episodes of this TV series on Netflix called Marianne. This is one that everyone seems to be talking about because it's creepy. And everyone's saying it's really, really creepy and it's really, really good. This one um, is French. So on Netflix, it is dubbed in English, which 
honestly, actually isn't bad. I'm I'm watching it with the dub, which I never ever do. I always watch it with subtitles. But the dubbing isn't horrible. If you can get past the words not matching up with the mouth, then you should be alright. This one, I'm only in I'm only on episode two. Oh sorry, episode three at the moment. I've I've only watched two episodes. And episode one, I was hooked straight away. I was really, really digging it. And yes, it is creepy. The 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 people are right. Whoever's saying that this TV series is creepy is correct. It has very, very creepy scenes in it. And episode one, I was digging it. I was interested in these characters. I wanted to know what was going to happen to these characters. I wanted to know what what was going to happen with the story. Uh, and then episode two came along and it was good, but it just didn't hook me as much as episode one. I, I was just a little bit bored with episode two. Still, I've got um, about six episodes left. I'm going to continue it because of how episode one was. Um, but let's just hope that it keeps up. So if anyone out there has seen Marianne, let us know what you thought. <clears throat> All right, the next movie I got to see, and this was recommended by Miss Monica over at the Padded Room uh, podcast, a movie that I've been dying to see, and I missed it when it came to theaters. Uh, this one is called Crawl. Now, if you don't know about Crawl, it is a uh, movie about a... Um, natural disaster which is a tornado um and then it's mixed with alligators which is uh something we don't really see we never really see alligators in movies we always see crocodiles in movies but never really alligators um the, man you know me if you've listened to the show before you know that jaws is my favorite movie of all time and i am a big huge fan of animal attack horror films so this was something that i was dying to see on top of that it's directed by alexandra aja who i'm a big fan of he did um the hills of eyes remake he did piranha um he's done oh he did high tension as well the french extremity film high tension which i'm a big fan of so he's up there as one of my favorite newish well newish meaning early thousands directors um but it was produced by sam raimi who of course evil dead so this one had like just stars all over it the stars aligned for me to go see this um this one was as i expected great um, I, I knew, I knew going in that I was going to enjoy this movie. I was going to come out loving it and I wasn't wrong, man. This one was a lot of fun. The biggest problem I had with this film is <clears throat> because it's set in a natural disaster, a cyclone, there's a lot of water going around. Um, you, you could tell a lot of the times that this was a set, uh, because the water is absolutely sparkling clean now we've had drought uh, sorry not droughts we've had floods here in australia and i've seen them on the news i've never been involved in a in a flood but when a flood comes in australia the water is always very murky and and dirty and 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 yuck it's never ever crystal clear so that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit but that was really only the the only problem i had with this movie the alligators look great 
um, all CGI, of course, but they looked good. The the story um, was interesting. The attack scenes, yes, you get alligators attacking people. The attack scenes were not what I expected. Um, <clears throat> in saying that, they were a bit over the top than what I expected. I, I expected a bit more uh, tamer kills. No, they, they, they went above and beyond, and I was very happy about that. Um, the ending kind of just, it just happens. I mean, I was a little let down from the ending, but beyond that, this is a fucking blast, man. If you are a fan of alligator or, or sorry, crocodile films or shark films or any animal attack type films, this is a one that you need to check out. This is in my top 10. Of course, I knew it was going to be, <coughs> excuse me. I knew it was going to be because it's an animal attack film. But I'm, I'm really glad that I watched it. It's probably one that I'm going to buy, you know, um, and one that I'll revisit. It's it's much like um, The Shallows or 47 Meters Down, those films that I just, I, I re-watch every now and then because they just, they're just so much fun to watch. Nothing's better than seeing people torn apart by vicious animals. Ah, oh, I love nature. So that's Crawl. I gave it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Make that water dirtier. God damn. In, in saying that, the set designs do look really good. Uh, it just... It, it looked too much like an actual set to be taken seriously. Alright. on Back on to Netflix. And this is a new one. It's called... Um, uh, Amy? Or A-M-I? Um, it's a new one on Netflix, uh, it stands for, um, I can't remember, <laughs> that's how much I paid attention to this movie, uh, look, I'll read you the plot synopsis, um, just so you get a, a, a more idea of what this movie is, so, a 17 year old girl forms a codependent relationship with an artificial, art uh, there, an artificial intelligence on her phone and goes on a murderous rampage. So this is another technical, uh, technology-based horror film that we've all seen and and everything like that. But this one does something different. Now, there's a movie coming out, I believe it's called Countdown, that is basically a killer app. And when I heard the premise of this movie, I just instantly thought, well, this is a rip-off of Countdown. We're getting another killer app movie. And this is uh, not exactly that. It's not really the app doing the killing. In, in fact, it's the app giving the orders to this girl. Um, this started off really rough. Really rough. The acting was horrible. It looked like a student film. Um, and I was so close to turning it off. The only thing that kept me there is its runtime is only about an hour and 17 minutes. So I thought, fuck it. I can smash this one out and bitch about it on the podcast. Turns out, I kind of like this film. It, um, it kind of had a little bit of fun with this film. I don't know why I'm, I'm struggling to say that. It's not like I'm ashamed that I like this film, but the start of this movie is very rough, but it starts to come around um, during the middle towards the end, and it starts to get pretty brutal. There are some decent effects and decent kill scenes in this movie that were a little satisfying. 
um, is this movie going to be in the top 10 of 2019? Hell no. But... I did have fun with this, and for an hour and 17 minute movie, um, it, it kept my attention. I wasn't on my phone, um, which which I usually, <laughs> which which a lot of films make me do. Uh, this one, I was I was engrossed. I wanted to see what was going to happen next, and the characters kind of I was kind of rooting for some of the characters, and and engrossed by what these characters are doing. Uh, in saying that, the acting wasn't bad towards the end. Um, at the start of this movie, very rough, but towards the end of this movie, it's like they really just changed and got into the groove of what they're doing, and it turned out pretty decent. So, look, should you check out Amy or AMI? I mean, look, it's on Netflix. If you have a spare 17 minutes, uh, hour and 17 minutes, yeah, why not? But be warned, I could see a lot of people hating this movie. Uh, it's it's gotten a lot of bad reviews, um, <clears throat> but it's not. Maybe I maybe I went in expecting the absolute worst, and I came out thinking it's not as bad as I thought. So, if you are going to do it, just remember that it is not the greatest movie, but it's far far from the worst movie. Alright, we are going to talk about my last film that I watched um, not long ago, actually. And this one is one of the big ones of 2019. One of the the films that I'm sure a lot of people have in their their top 10, if not top 1. And that is, of course, Midsommar. Midsummer, Midsommar, whatever you want to call it. Lance, I'm talking to you, brother. This is Lance from Lance from the Horror Returns. This is his number one film, I believe, of 2019, and he's been a champion of this film ever since it came out. I believe Lance has watched this movie numerous times, which is which is big because this has a runtime of two and a half hours. Uh, in saying that, two and a half hours. I looked at that time and I was kind of dreading going into it. That two and a half hours flew by. I was, I, I will say this, I was not bored by this movie at all. Before I, I go in with more of my thoughts, let me just read the synopsis if you have not heard about Midsommar. A young couple travels to Sweden to visit their friend's rural hometown and attend its Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly descends into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. This is directed by Ari Aster. Ari Aster, who, of course, directed last year's Hereditary. Was that last year? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Was it? Yeah, I think it was. Um, Hereditary. Yeah, it was last year. Fuck, time's getting, time's getting away from me. I can't keep up anymore. Um, and, and, and this one, <laughs> this one had a lot of hope, a lot of, a lot of, um, well, after Hereditary, people were expecting this to be just as good and just as shocking. And to what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing by the reviews, most people, I'm, I'm guessing, really like this movie. I mean, Lance from The Horror Returns absolutely loved this film. And I went in... Oh, I went in with... Um, 
with the knowledge in, in my head thinking, I'm not going to like this movie. This is going back to when I first saw Hereditary. I walked out of the screening of Hereditary absolutely hating it. I was so bored during that movie. And, and it was honestly, after coming out my first time seeing Hereditary, it was, it, it was in my bottom list of 2018. So I, I recently, I, I did come around and eventually loved Hereditary, but it took me a while. So going into Midsommar, I didn't expect much, but I came out pretty much really enjoying it. The problem is, I just... Uh, see, with Hereditary, there's so many curveballs and you don't know what's going to happen. There's so many twists and turns. With Midsommar, it's a one-lane traffic. There, There is nothing really... It's very predictable, I found. I kind of guessed exactly what was going to happen the whole way movie. So I was a little let down with that. Um, and I don't really... Look, man... If we, if I could do a spoiler on Midsommar, I, I would, I would love to explain my real thoughts, but I can't because it's going to spoil things, and because this is so new, I just, I'm not going to spoil things. But I, well, I left after, after, after stopping it, I, I felt somewhat empty, and I don't know how I really felt about this movie. Um, watching it, I was really digging it. I was really enjoying these characters. The acting is great. Um, Ari Aster has a way with the camera. He knows how to fucking use that thing. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, it, it technically, it's a really, really well-made film. But the story just, it just, I, I, I went in expecting more because I saw so many people saying, I'm confused. I didn't get this. Um, to which I thought, yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna understand this movie, but I got everything, which I don't know. Am I let down by understanding everything? <laughs> I don't know. I think this movie is going to need a rewatch from me. At the moment, it's as a seven out of ten, but much like Hereditary, Hereditary, I gave another watch, and it actually got into the top 10 of 2018. Can Midsommar fit into the top 10 of 2019 for me? I think it's going to need a rewatch, but... But, this is a tough question. What did I prefer, Hereditary or Midsommar? First first thoughts, Midsommar I did enjoy more, but Hereditary grew on me. Would Midsummer, will Midsummer grow me? That's something that future Tim will have to answer. Still, should you see Midsummer? Yes. I think everyone out there should give it a go. It's not going to be for everyone. I can see most of the horror audience hating this film because it's not all action. It's a very slow burn type film. And I could see a lot of people getting bored with this. For me... It did not bore me at all. I was invested. I needed to know what was going to happen next. Even though I kind of guessed what was going to happen next, I needed to know if I was right or wrong. Um, In saying that, there are some scenes in this movie that are fucking awesome. There is a reference to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I noticed. (laughs) The movie we're watching tonight, or we're reviewing. Uh, There are other nods to various other movies. Um, So yes, go and see Midsommar. 
Uh, I think that you should if you're a big if you are a horror fan. I think it's a must, but don't get upset if you don't like it because I can see that happening. Oh man, that was a lot. <clears throat> so I've taken half an hour of your time bullshitting about movies that most of you have probably seen before. But hey, that's what we do here. Alright, that's it for what horrors have I done. Let's jump into the news feed. This is Horror Phenomies Breaking News. Coming in with Horror Phenomies Breaking News. This is weird, I never ever get to say that part. <clears throat> Orphan star Isabella Thurman enters Escape Room 2. Did you ever watch Orphan? You know that movie about that orphan? <laughs> that movie fucking freaked me out. It really got under my skin, and I don't really know why. Um, but the main girl in Orphan, the... Uh, what was her fucking name? I cannot remember. Ethel? Oh, I cannot remember her name. But you you know what I'm talking about. The, the little girl. The little girl in that movie. She's going to be starring in Escape Room 2. Escape Room came out earlier this year. I was a fan of that movie. Another movie that actually scared me because um, heights. I, I can't fucking do heights. Um, so well done. But Escape Room 2 is going to come out uh, next year on August 14th, 2020. And it's been confirmed that Logan Miller is going to be reprising his role. I like I like Robin, Rogan, Logan Miller. He was in um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, I really liked that movie. Uh, I like this dude. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready. I'm more interested now than I was. Escape Room 2 will be cool. It's done that creepy little fuck. Um, Isabella Thurman. So I'm interested. Give it to me. Our next story. The Axe from The Shining. We all remember the movie The Shining. Do we remember the scene where Johnny's breaking down the door? Not Johnny, sorry, Jack. And he, and he screams out, here's Johnny. The axe that he used to cut down that door has sold for $200,000 at an auction somewhere in America. So that's a lot of money for a axe. I mean, what... Imagine if you found out that you spent all that money and you found out that it wasn't actually the same axe. It was just an axe that they bought at Best Buy or, or, or something. Walmart or something like that. Be pretty pissed off. But other places got um, several several other horror movie props went out for auction, including the uh, glove from Freddy vs. Jason, Ghostface's knife from Scream 2, the Necronomicon from Army of Darkness, and Kerry's white bloody prom dress from Kerry 2013. Fuck, I would have loved to be been at this auction. I wouldn't have bought anything, but... Uh, oh, here we go. Freddy's glove from Freddy vs. Jason sold for 37 thousand eight hundred and eighty eight dollars and fifty cents while jason's machete from the same field went for nine thousand eight hundred and thirty two dollars jason's axe from friday the 13th remake sold for four thousand five hundred and thirty eight dollars and twenty two cents so yeah it also star um included treasures from alien blade dog soldiers 
Ghostbusters, Gremlins 2, Hellraiser, World War Z, and more. Why wasn't this filmed or something? This is something that interests me. I love watching like horror movie props and stuff like that. Oh well. Um, would I ever buy something like that? Probably. If I if I had the money, I probably would. I'm stupid with money, and this is why I'm not allowed overseas. <laughs> Our next story is not really an exciting one, but Tremors Seven starts filming next month with Michael Gross. Uh, okay, to be perfectly honest with you, I've never seen a Tremors movie beyond the first one that I can recall anyway. I may have seen the second or third back when it was on TV, back when I was a young young lad, but I don't remember ever watching a, a Tremors uh, sequel. So this news... It doesn't really interest me. I mean, maybe one day I should sit down and and watch all the Tremor films. But as of right now, I've got too much werewolf shit to do. I'm not really in the mood for Tremors. It doesn't really appeal to me, to be perfectly honest. The first one was fine. But even then, I mean, it's not my favorite horror film. And I know people out there that fucking love the Tremors. And I still think they wouldn't really care about Tremors 7. But hey, if that's your jam, that's your jam. Go for it, brother. But um, yes, that is it for Horror Fanami's breaking news. All right, guys, I think it's about time we jump back into the franchise fights with Let the Madness Begin. We're back with the franchise fights, and before we go into the franchise fights, I must let everyone know that Facebook is a piece of shit. So, apparently, the way we've been doing the uh, the, the franchise fights here is on the uh, Horror for Dummies Facebook page, and we've been doing it with polls, where you click the poll and, it, and it'll do all that stuff. Facebook has taken down the polls, which is a massive pain in the ass, not just for me, but for all you guys. Um, it really pissed me off, because now I have to find another way how to do this shit, and it makes me angry because we're almost at the end of this thing, and they couldn't have just left it and, and waited until I was done. No, they had to do it fucking almost right at the end. Anyway, so unfortunately I had to... Um, we had to, they, they got rid of the poll option. We had to do something else. So on the Horror for Dummies Facebook page, I just got a picture of the movies and had a like button or a heart button, and, and you had to do the rest, which sucks. I know it's, it's harder for you guys, but yeah. Sorry, guys. Just blame Facebook. Who's the dude that runs Facebook? Whatever that dude is. So last week we had... The Friday the 13th franchise versing the Aliens franchise. And here's what you guys wanted to say. Rob Humphrey says, I love Alien and Aliens. Friday the 13th is a better franchise as a whole, though, because each film gives you exactly what you want. Except Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> You've got a point there, Rob. Good work, man. Uh, Jordy Van Vuklis says, Firstly, because Jason... Secondly, because horror is way better than sci-fi. He has a point. Um, I I put the Alien franchise 
in the horror category, though. I mean, the first one is very much a horror film. It's basically a, sci- a, a, a sci-fi slasher film. The second one, you can argue, but it still has monsters. That's enough for me. And the third and the fourth, we are... Yeah, that's fine. Jordan James Huxley, Mr. Huxley, he says, Friday the 13th, more horror than Alien and more fun. Yeah, he's got a point, man. He really does. This is what I was kind of getting to last week. I mean, I love the Alien franchise, but when you come down to it, if you can only take one of one franchise with you on a desert island, what are you going to go with? Two great films and the rest are mediocre? Or four... Sorry, whatever, how many Friday the 13th films there are. So, yeah. Phoebe Louise Haberley says, Alien and Aliens. I pretend the others don't exist, though. That's that's a good way of, of picking it. Phoebe is the first person to vote for Alien and Aliens. <laughs> then we have Michael Darwin. He says, Alien, because Alien and Aliens. <laughs> You've got a point there. I'll go with it. Diddler Bailey says, Aliens are fucking scary. I guess that means you're going for Aliens, then. But... Oh, shit, this was close, man. This was very close. Uh, not heaps close, but a little close. Close enough. So, with 13 likes over 10, the Friday the 13th franchise advances, and we finally say goodbye to the Alien franchise. This is big, man. I thought the Aliens were going to continue their run and go for it. But, uh, yeah... It's time for them to pack up. Jason slaughtered those xenomorphs, and it's time for them to go home. So, Friday the 13th, into the next rounds. They're almost in the grand final. I could see... Honestly, I could see this being a Halloween Friday the 13th grand final. But we will see. Michael versus Jason has a cool ring to it. All right, this week's franchise fights, we have... The Halloween franchise going up against the Psycho franchise. Ooh, this one is going to be a slaughter. Get it? Because they, they're both serial killers and they're both slashes. Huh? Halloween. I've been saying this the entire competition is a shit franchise. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I know people out there love Halloween. But as a franchise, it's just not good. Look at it. Its timelines are all over the place. Psycho. The Psycho franchise. I mean, the first Psycho is an absolute classic. It's one of the best horror films out there. But the sequels really get forgotten. In saying that, the sequels follow one timeline. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the Psycho franchise on this. I I honestly don't think it's going to win. But I just feel that the Psycho franchise is a lot better. If I was going for more fun, then I would be picking the Halloween franchise because there are better films um, that I find more enjoyable. But we're talking about which is the better franchise here. And I'm sorry, guys, but Psycho is the better franchise. But it's up to you guys to decide who advances and who goes home. So in order to do that, you can go over to... Horror for Dummies at Facebook. You can just type in horrorfordummies.com. That will take you right to the Facebook page. And there you will see the pictures and just give it either a a like or a heart 
to what other what are the pitches? I think I think it's a heart. Or is it? No, sorry, it's a heart for Halloween or a like for Psycho. You'll see it anyway. And uh, give us a comment. Let us know why you chose the franchise you chose. It's always fun to hear people's opinions. So that is it for the franchise fights. We are really getting down to the nitty and gritty here. We haven't got much left of those franchise fights. I am dying to see who's going to be in the grand final and who's going to take it out. Um, why don't we just Why don't we just talk about who is um, who's going to be um, the upcoming fights? Because this is something that that gets me excited if you know what I mean. So after Halloween versus Psycho, we will then have the Silence of the Lambs franchise versus the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. That will be great. Um, that actually be really a lot of fun. Then we have Evil Dead versus the Dead. So really like, okay, we have a few, a few franchises that I could see being in the, uh, in the finals here. So this will be fun. Um, Evil Dead versus the Dead will be a tough one. Silence of the Lambs versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know which one I'd rather win, but it's not up to me. But yeah, look, that will be fun. I just realized something. We cannot have Friday the 13th versing Halloween in the grand final. So if Halloween wins the next round, they'll be versing Friday the 13th to find out which is the better franchise. So this will be, this will be interesting. You know, guys, we could have Halloween versus the Dead in the final. We could have Halloween versus the Evil Dead, uh, Friday the 13th versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There is a lot of different ways this could go, but we'll leave that till next time. Speaking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think it's about time we talk about the Saw. It's the season of the Saw, baby, here in the Padded Room Network, and we are going down to the uh, Hewitt residence. We're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003 with feature presentation. And now for our feature presentation. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. It's not the first remake, but it did start that wave of new wave uh, horror remakes that everyone seems to love or hate. Uh, this is one of the first ones that's, that did it. So, let's get down to it. We're going to talk all about Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. We're going to talk about my thoughts. We're going to go and dive a little deeper and uh, talk about what the what happened during the, the, the making of this movie and all the trivia and stuff. Before we do any of that, if you guys have no idea what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, turn this podcast off right now. Go and find a copy. Just go and buy one. Just go and buy the Blu-ray of this movie and the original. Sit down and strap yourself in to have your hand and ass handed to you. I fucked that up, but who cares? We are going to dive and spoil the shit out of this movie. It's from 2003, and I'm, I'm sure most people have seen it. If you have not, you know what it's about, so whatever. If you have never heard of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the plot is... After picking up a traumatized young hitchhiker, five friends find themselves stalked and hunted by a deformed chainsaw-wielding loon, loon and his family of equally psychopathic killers. That is the plot to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It also has a massacre in it, and it is set in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this stars Jessica Biel as Erin, and God damn, God damn is all I'm going to say. Jonathan Tucker as Morgan. He was in another horror movie called The Ruins. Um, it's a movie about vines, killer vines. It's actually really good. Erica Larson as Pepper. She was also in The Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. You remember that one? Uh, she was also in Wrong Turn 2, which was uh, actually a lot of fun. We have Mike Vogel, who played Andy in this film. He's that guy with the long uh, blonde hair, well, shortish, longish hair. He was also in the movie Cloverfield. I think he died like five minutes in that movie, but he was still in it. Eric Balfour as Kemper. He's the main guy who drives the truck in this one. He is in a movie called Backcountry. He's also in an upcoming movie called Jesus Hates Zombies. And if I'm going to be honest, that movie is one I will be seeing when it comes out, just for that title alone. Ali Ermi. We all know him. We love him. He's the best. He plays Sheriff Hoyt in this movie, and we are going to be talking the shit about him because he was fucking brilliant in this movie. Ali Hermie, if you don't know who he is, he was the guy in Full Metal Jacket that just made your fucking eyes fill up with tears because he was so funny. Because you were laughing. Okay. David Dorfman, who played Jediah. He's the little kid in this movie with the really big, <laughs> out-of-place teeth. Uh, this little kid was also in the American remake of The Ring. 
and to my knowledge, he is now retired from acting and has graduated law school and is doing pretty well for himself. Um, in saying that, he's not the best looking little dude out there, but hey, can't win them all. This also stars Andrew Bynarski as Thomas Hewitt slash Leatherface. Oh man, alright, this is directed by Marcus Nispel, who is who started off as a uh, music video director, much like uh, a director from uh, last week's review with the Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, he did he did music videos for George Michael, you name it, he had a lot. And apparently this movie here, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 03, was his first feature film. Which is pretty big. I mean, going from music videos straight up. Here you go, you have to remake one of the best uh, horror films out there. It's no easy task. Um, he also did the Friday the 13th remake. So, yeah, he had his hands on a bit of horror out there. And good on him. Good on him. Spoiler alert, I think he did pretty good. So, yeah. Alright, let's start off easy. Let's start off talking about my first thoughts going to see this movie. I remember distinctively hearing about this movie. And I heard about this movie when I went to the cinemas to see Freddy vs. Jason. This came out at the same time. 2003 was a fantastic year for me. I mean, we had so many good stuff come out. You had three different horror icons, Leatherface, Freddy, and Jason, all coming back to the big screen. You had Goldberg returning to the WWE. You had all this cool shit happening. It was just the best time of my life. Ah, oh, wish I could go back to 2003. But I was at the cinemas with a bunch of friends watching Freddy vs. Jason, and this little trailer popped up, and it picked up my ears pretty much instantly. And I had no idea what this trailer was, and then at the end, it just popped up. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And at that point there, I, um, I, 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 I got goosebumps. Because I didn't know anything about a remake happening or, or, or anything like that. And I was so pumped. Super pumped. So I basically just waited and waited for this movie to come out. I got so excited that I bought the goddamn soundtrack because the cover looked cool. I didn't really know many of the bands on this on this album, but it instantly became one of my favorite albums and introduced me to a lot of cool different bands. So, thank you also to this movie. But it took me fucking forever to see this movie because I didn't go to the cinemas to see this movie and I can't remember why. I don't remember why. And the funny thing is that a group of my friends went and saw it at the cinemas and I didn't go along with them because I think I had to work um, because I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> and they all had holidays and I didn't. Um, but I can't remember why I didn't go see this at the cinemas. Um, but I remember hearing when it was going to come to DVD. Back then there were no Blu-rays. Uh, so, the day of the, the uh, DVD release date, I remember waiting outside the front of the store when it was closed, just waiting for them to open up 
so I could go in, get my copy, go home and watch it. And I remember as soon as the doors opened, I rushed in there straight to the back to the DVD section and I looked everywhere for it and they didn't have it. And I was so fucking pissed off because back then I didn't have a license. I had to catch the bus everywhere and fuck that. I didn't want to go to another store. So I asked the dude, I'm like, where's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre DVDs? And this guy, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. One of my fondest memories. Uh, the guy had no idea what I was on about. I said, the movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, do you have it on DVD? And I remember him going, oh, I think we got him at the back. I'll go get them. And I was like, oh, thank Christ. Thank Christ. And he came back and he put the copy of the DVD in front of me. And I looked at it. And it was the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> on DVD. I'm like, no, I already own like three copies of this movie. The, the new one that came out today. And he's like, oh, I'm not too sure we have that. And I was really bummed. And then luckily someone else came and helped him. And we eventually found out that they did have it. They just haven't put it on the shelves yet because I was super early. Uh, but I did get my copy of the movie and I, I ran home. Uh, put it in and fell in love with this movie. Why did I fall in love with this movie? This is where the review starts. We're going to go into my likes. We're going to go into my dislikes of this movie. And then we're going to talk about the comparisons of this to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Now, what did I like about this movie? The real question is, what didn't I like about this movie? First watch. I, 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 I fell in love with this. And I think, don't quote me, but I think I rewatched it as soon as the credits were rolling because I was that much in love with it. It had everything I wanted. It had a big scary guy holding a chainsaw. It had gore galore. It had Jessica Biel strutting around with a shortcut t-shirt with her tits hanging out. Oh, this was a pubescent teenager's dream, this movie. Wet t-shirts galore. But let's get into why I liked this movie. And, and and before before we talk about that, I will just go on to record to state that the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favorite movies of all time. That movie is just the, the perfection of a horror movie. It's just everything a horror fan wants. So... <clears throat> So when they remake it, I'm not, a, I'm not a hater on remakes. As a matter of fact, most remakes I'm a fan of. And I say bring them on. You know, why not? Why can't we have something different? I know there's people out there who despise remakes. And I really don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's not like the original gets burnt and you can never watch the original again. No, you can still watch the original. Why can't we just have a different view or a different... Um, different version of the of the same story so the first thing that i noticed that i really loved is leatherface leatherface in this movie is if i'm gonna be honest my preferred leatherface because of the fact he's just an absolute animal he's a beast in this movie he doesn't give a fuck you go back to the original texas chainsaw massacre and bubba sawyer's a bit how are you going he's a bit of a retard as darian likes to put it and i somewhat have to agree with him thomas hewitt he doesn't give a shit who you are he will fuck you up he will put a hook through your back he'll put a hook through your tit and just pull you out of a truck doesn't matter he is gonna mess you up the um 
the updated look on Leatherface, I just, I loved it. I think it looks great. He just looks scary. He looks like someone you do not want to meet. And I just, I love that. And that's what really solidified this this remake for me. I just, I, I fell in love with the look of Leatherface um, from start. But it's not just Leatherface that made me love this film. Let's just talk about probably the second best character in this movie. And I only and I say second best loosely because Leatherface is my favorite because of the obvious. But Sheriff Hoyt, played by Ali Ermi, is just fantastic in this movie. And if it wasn't for Leatherface, he could be the villain in this movie, the main primary villain in this movie. He just does everything perfectly. And he is scary. And he's someone that you're meant to trust. I mean, he's the sheriff. He's someone you're meant to trust, but you soon realize that he's a bit off his hinges. He's a bit different. And he says some lines that are a bit, oh, you just went there. Um, <laughs> that just make me laugh. And Angelisa was watching this with me, and she's seen this movie before. She knew it was going to happen, but some of those lines that Sheriff Hoyt say, I'm guessing they made her feel a little uneasy. But it's the way he says things too. I mean, he has that he has that accent that he that he has. It just it just fits perfectly with this family. The casting in this movie is incredible, especially for for um, Sheriff Hoyt here. You couldn't have picked a better Sheriff Hoyt slash um, Drayton Sawyer type character than Ali Ermi. He just he just plays it perfectly. And this, he just makes the movie for me. He makes it so much more enjoyable than what it what it could have been. So, th the second reason I love this movie is because of Sheriff Hoyt. Then you got the other family members who are not so much in it as much as the other two, but you still have to give credit to them. I mean, you have young Jediah, who who is a newcomer to the family. You don't actually see him in any other series. Um, but he he does a he does a great job, little um, David Dorfman. Um, I love that character. He gives something new to the story. Uh, then you have old Monty, the guy in the wheelchair with with no legs. Everyone in this family is just as sick as each other. They they don't give a fuck about anyone, and it just it just makes me love this movie so much more. The Hewitts are just my version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What else did I like about this movie? The setting of this movie. And I know, yes, it's set in Texas. But here's the thing. I've never, ever been to the United States of America. It's on my bucket list. I would love to go to um, to America. To There's so many different states in America I'd love to visit. Um, I have friends all around America who I'd love to meet firsthand. But it's just the sights and everything. I just, I just, I just I love the thought of America. Sitting here in Australia, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's Australia, whatever, it's boring. Um, but the thing I love about the, the, the setting of this Texas landscape is it's very much, in some ways, how Australia is. Where I live, where I live is, uh, is very, is very strange. On one side of the road, of the highway, you have a lot of farming areas, on the other side, you have the coast with the beach and stuff like that. So you can either have you can you can have the best of both worlds. But driving in rural Australia, there are scene there are times where I'm looking I'm driving past and I'm thinking, huh, there's an old dilapidated farmhouse there. I wonder if Leatherface lives there. 
and that's what really really makes me enjoy this movie because it it uh, it could happen <laughs> it, it, it i know it's based off a true story but it, it it's something that's believable it's not like uh the exorcist or something like that it's a, it's a believable story it could happen and places that it could happen are close to where i live if we're going with the setting. So I just love the setting of the Texas landscape in this movie. The, the, the house in this movie is just unreal. It's believable that somewhere where this family would live. Um, <laughs> they clearly have a lot of drain problems, especially with Leatherface's basement uh, that they should get uh, a fix on. Maybe Ben can go over and fix that for him. But I just, I love the Texas landscape when they're driving past. It just, it looks great. It has a great feel to it. It looks hot as fuck over there, which is kind of what I think of when I think of Texas. Lance is probably laughing his ass off right now. But when I think of Texas, I, I think of hot countryside um, cows and stuff like that. Big Texas cows and steaks and stuff like that. That, um, which is probably not correct. Texas is probably a lovely city, but beyond pictures and all that stuff, I wouldn't know. So that's something else that I really liked in this movie. The acting in this movie is, in my opinion, it's just it's it's really really good. It's solid all the way through. There is a scene right at the start of this movie where the hitchhiker shoots herself in the head. And then you have the group of survivors in the in the in the car, and they pull over to the side of the road, and they're talking about the situation that just happened. And the character of Morgan just goes off the rails, and his voice his voice breaks a few times. And I just I think that's absolutely superb. It's it's just it fits with what would happen in real life if you witness something like that. You could not speak like a normal person every day. How I'm speaking now, you'd be all over the place. Your voice would be breaking. You'd be terrified. You, you your adrenaline would be up through the roof, and you, you'd be you'd be in tears so i love how his voice goes croaky and and, and off off the rails at times but and, and i saw a lot of people saying that there's too much screaming in this movie like what do you expect these people are being chased by a, a a six foot five guy wielding a chainsaw like you expect them not to scream and stuff like that but the acting all around is just great. I think everyone does a fantastic job. Once again, Sheriff Hoyt just kills it with his path. Andrew Bynarski as Leatherface does a fantastic job. He just kills it as being this big brute. And I know you don't really need to do much as Leatherface with, with voice acting or anything like that. But you still need to have the the moves and, and the walk right and the holding the chainsaw and he just kills it no pun intended he just does it perfectly the story let's just talk about the story because in in many different ways the story of this movie is very different to the story of the uh of the original texas chainsaw massacre film and we'll just break it down a little bit as to what parts they did differently and what parts i think are just brilliant the reason these kids are traveling through the Texas Texas uh, area, I was about to say Texas Outback, but that's not right. Um, these kids are on their way to see a Leonard Skinner concert, 
where in the original, the kids are going to the grave of their grandfather. So it's a bit different there, but I love that. I love that this is the time. It's set in the early 70s where... Um, where Leonard Skinner were huge at the time. So it's perfectly believable that these kids are on their way to see the best southern rock band of all time. Um, and if I was born in this time, I'd be in that van with them going to see Leonard Skinner because they fucking rock. Uh, so I just love how they, how that's what they're doing. And it comes into play later on during the movie. Uh, so that's cool. The decision... To leave the hitchhiker or not. Now, after the hitchhiker shoots us off in the head. Side note. I've always wondered where she pulled that pistol out from. Where did she get that gun from? She pulls it out between her legs. But she was walking the entire time. So was it... Was it wedged up in there? I, I mean, it had to be, right? Ugh. Could you fit a gun in your pussy? I don't know, man. I don't have one, so... I'm going to ask Jaleesa about this later. Um, but, yes, when she... I've, I've lost all... Now my mind's just on different things. I've lost all train of thought. The hitchhiker shoots herself in the head, and the, the group are trying to find the sheriff. They're having no luck, and they come to the realization, should we drop the body here and just be on our merry way? Or should we wait for the sheriff? And I think that's great. I think it's real. It's it's believable because some people, probably not now, but back in the early seventies, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet or anything like that. This is a perfectly thing, uh, perfect question that I could see a lot of people asking themselves. So, the question that they were faced with really comes really comes into effect with this movie, and uh, it, it's something that made me think: What would I do? And if I had tickets to Leonard Skinner, huh, I don't know. I'd be worried that it would be traced back to me, but I don't, I don't know. I wasn't born in the seventies. So yes, um, the going back to Sheriff Hoyt, Sheriff Hoyt being more, more of a villain in this movie, more than the original. Um, I just, I, once again, going back onto Sheriff Hoyt, I just think he kills it in this movie. He's, every one of his dialogues is just unreal. It's perfect. It just fits his character great. I love how they brought him more into the forefront of this movie. And it just made the, it made the family feel a lot more scarier than the original. You know, in the original, really the only threat was Leatherface. Where in this one, you have pretty much the whole family to fear. Yes, Leatherface is the main brunt and the muscle of it all, but Sheriff Hoyt's right up there as 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 on par with Leatherface as the one of one of the people to fear. So I like how they did that with this film. The wedding ring story. Now, if you forgotten, after Kemper was killed by Leatherface, Leatherface is is uh, stringing him up and pulling him upside down, and a wedding ring falls out of his pocket and uh, falls into the bathtub full of blood to which Leatherface picks up and has a look and a lot of people I read a lot of different reviews and it's funny like when when I when I love a movie I like to go into the review section of IMDB or Letterboxd or something like that and just pick the reviews that hate the movie that I love just to see what they thought of 
and if I'm missing something. And usually, uh, when it comes to movies like this, example, remakes, I, I it's usually always the same thing. They always compare it to the original, and it's just it's the same old bullshit that people get mad of. But one reviewer was saying that the wedding ring part of the story just had no affiliation with this movie at all. It just did nothing to move the story along. And I couldn't disagree more. I think that that's perfect. It starts at the start where Aaron and Kemper are talking about a ring. And you you see this couple. And after you, fe- after you see the wedding ring fall out of his pocket, it makes you fall in love with this couple even more so. Even though that they are no longer around since Kemper's dead. But it just makes you feel so much worse for, for Aaron and Kemper. Now, there is a deleted scene in this movie that I kind of wish they kept in with uh, with Erin telling Kemper that she is pregnant. And that's something that I kind of wish they left in because it would have been a, a more and a, more of an emotional side to, side to the story, especially with Kemper dying. So, unfortunately, they didn't leave that in the movie. I'm not too sure why, but it, it's just something that I wish they did. Still, the wedding ring side of the story, I just love that. It just gave more emotion to the death of Kemper. And, um, yeah, now Leatherface has a cool wedding ring or engagement ring, whatever. The last thing that the um, the story in this one did differently to the original was um, the previous family that they killed had a young, probably few-month-old uh, baby and instead of killing the baby, they decided to keep the baby for themselves and and grow their family. And that's something that I um, I was really interested in. I really liked how they did that because, look, besides incest, how are you going to grow this family? How are you going to grow the Hewitts? You steal other people's children and raise them as your own. So I really liked how they explored that side of the story. Um... I think it, I think it was actually interesting, and it, and it got me to think of some of the other sequels of the Texas Chainsaw. You go to the Texas Chainsaw 3D, and you look at that family, and they're massive. They've got like 30-plus people in that family. So it makes you wonder, did they steal babies from other families, or, or what's the go? Cinematography. We have to talk about it, because in my opinion, the cinematography for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is incredible. You have, and everyone knows what I'm going to say, that shot with the hitchhiker when she blows the, the fucking brains out of the back of her skull, and you have the shot of the camera slowly drifting towards her, her mouth, and it comes out the back of her head. Oh, that shot is exceptional. But it's not just that shot. There are so many good shots in this movie that just make this movie a pleasure to watch. Nothing's too shaky. Nothing's all over the place. It's a slow, nice, even watch. And it's just just a pleasure to watch. Some of the angles in this movie were great. So the cinematography of this film is superb. I just love it. (laughs) That's real. I mean, I can go on with different more likes um, because there's a lot. But let's go into the dislikes. And to be perfectly honest with you, there's not much here that I didn't like. Really, there's nothing. I tried, and as I said before, I went to um, other reviewers and, and, and the bad ones to see what they didn't like about this film. And every time I read a bad review of this film, I disagreed with every single point they made. 
there is nothing in this movie that I really don't like. The only thing that I had a problem that I do have a problem with is its rewatchability. This isn't a movie like uh, Jaws or The Lost Boys for me that I can just put on whenever I want and be happy with it. For some reason, this movie, I need to step away from it from time to time. I can't watch it whenever I want. Um, its rewatchability is not as great as other films that I mentioned. So that's really the only thing that I have a problem with. I mean, that's not really a problem, that's just more of a problem with me, but movie-wise, uh, I, I couldn't find anything. I have so much fun watching this movie, I just love it. So, okay, I, th I think it's about time that I finish this review up and we'll go into the comparisons of, of this movie versus the original. So, before doing that, I'll, I'll, I'll finish my, my thoughts up with this movie. I love this movie. It's, it's a remake, yes. That's not a bad thing. We can have the two things. We can have the original, we can have the remake. Be happy with it. It's good times. This movie here now the original texas chainsaw movie massacre movie to me is a 10 out of 10 this movie here the remake the 2003 texas chainsaw massacre is also a 10 out of 10 for me i just love it i i think it's perfect i'm not saying it's better than the original texas chainsaw massacre these two movies are on par to me i love both of them equally and i mean you can do that there's nothing wrong with liking the remake and the original the same they're just, it's just a story that I love. It's a horror icon that I just love. What's scarier than Leatherface? I mean, when you really think about it, Jason, yeah, he cool, he's scary, but he's slow. He, he, he uses a machete, which isn't really that scary. He's a, he's a, has a hockey mask, which is like, a lot of people wear hockey masks. When you think of Leatherface, the sound of a chainsaw is horrifying enough. It's loud, it's scary, and especially when it's been right behind when it's right behind you. That's horrifying. And then you go to his mask. It's made from other people's flesh. What's scarier than that? I mean, in my opinion, Leatherface is one of the most horrifying horror horror icons out there. But that's just me. That's one of the reasons why I love Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In saying that, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre title is probably one of my favorite titles for a horror movie it's just everyone knows it everyone it just puts fear into people i feel it does for me it's like oh you know anyway it's a 10 out of 10 film it's a perfect film in my opinion um if should you watch the texas chainsaw massacre remake hell yes if you are a slasher fan of any kind this one is definitely worth a watch there's gore galore in this movie there is so much goodness to this movie uh unfortunately there was some i watched the deleted scenes in this movie and there were a lot of scenes that they cut short um because i'm guessing the npaa had problems with something so they had to cut a few of the gore scenes short which is disappointing but i mean yeah so what you know what we didn't even touch on the on the start and end of this film because <laughs> this, uh, we have to talk about it. Because this is something that made me laugh when this movie came out. Um, going back to when I was at school. The movie starts off with quote-unquote real footage. 
where uh, policemen walk down the stairs to uh, to see the abandoned Hewitt basement where Leatherface used to dwell and, and, and do his thing. And and right at the end, we, we come back to those policemen and they get attacked by Leatherface and it says this is the only known footage of Leatherface. Um, there were so many people in my school who believed that was 100% real. And I, that shit just made me laugh. I mean, going back to the Blair Witch, uh, everyone believed that was real, but that was kind of different. That was before the internet, so no one knew if it was real or not. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a bit different. Um, <laughs> the story is in no way anywhere near the same of the, the true story. Ed Gein is not... Anywhere near the same as Leatherface. Uh, they don't even look the same. They don't even act the same. So when a lot of people telling me that it's a true story and that's actually real life footage of what happened, I had to just hold my mouth shut many, many times because you know what? There's people out there, no matter what you say, they're going to believe what they think is right. And yeah, whatever. More power to them. All right. Let's compare the two films. And we're going to break it down just a little bit. We've got to compare the two the two Leatherfaces. So on the left side we have Bubba Sawyer from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And on the right side we have Thomas Hewitt. I mean, which one is better? For me personally, it's Thomas Hewitt. And for the sheer fact that he's just more scarier. Bubba Sawyer is a great villain. He's scary, he's deranged, he's unpredictable. But in saying that, he is basically a child. A child that likes to wear makeup. And I know it's meant to be is meant to come off as creepy and, 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 and freaky and weird, but at some point it comes off kind of hokey and it's like, well, that's kind of weird. What are you doing? So the Thomas Hewitt Leatherface is, in my opinion, a much scarier Leatherface. His mask is a lot scarier. He just is he's more, he's bigger. He's more brutaler. Um, and, and the thing with Thomas Hewitt is, and we, we see this in the in the movie, is he, this character has skin disease, where the original Leatherface, we don't really get anything to what happened to him, but we can suspect that he's just a normal person who just likes wearing masks. Do I think the skin disease part was bad? No. Do I think that it should have been included? It doesn't really bother me. You can include that part, you cannot. It, it, I, I think it does nothing bad for the story. And I kind of did enjoy seeing Leatherface without a mask for a split second. It was kind of going, uh, going under the curtain a little bit. So I'm not a f I'm not opposed to things like that. I know a lot of people out there are. They don't want to know what's behind the mask. For example, Rob Zombie's Halloween. But I'm kind of all right with that. I like seeing that type of thing. I like seeing what makes these monsters tick and where they went wrong and all that stuff. Now let's go with the family versus the family. The Sawyers versus the Hewitts. I mean, the Sawyers... Really, all you got is Drayton Sawyer. Then you got the hitchhiker. I think his name is Nubs. Um, for, forget, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but really, that's only it. I mean, then you got the Grandpa and Grandma. But uh, are they really characters, or are they just lifeless corpses? We we still don't know. 
the Hewitt side of the family, you have a lot more. You have the, um, you have Sheriff Hoyt, you have Jediah, you have Old Monty, then you've got the, the mum, I can't remember her name, then you've got the, um, I'm guessing Sheriff Hoyt's partner, who, uh, I cannot remember her name. Then you got the old big fat tea lady who is, <laughs> she, that character there, I just, I love when she comes on screen and we're going to be talking about her next week as well. She just makes me laugh. Um, but in scariness, it, it's got to be the Hewitts because of Sheriff Hoyt. It's just, he just kills it. Absolutely. The house versus the house. The Sawyer house versus the Hewitt house. And this is another thing that a lot of people had problems with. The Hewitt house isn't dirty enough. Well, if you think about it, the Hewitts have a lot more family. There's a lot more extra hands to clean. So, <laughs> no, that doesn't really bother me. I get it that the original Sawyer house is meant to be dilapidated and run down and shit everywhere, bones and stuff everywhere. But... I just find the, the the new remake house scarier. I mean, the original house is just a house, which, uh, yeah, it, it comes off scary because it's just a house and it could be just anywhere. But the remake house is just big, it's dark, it's it's a huge house. Um, and it, <laughs> it probably sounds like I'm just ripping on the original right now, which I'm not. I love them both. But I just find the remake did things some things better they updated it to a new generation and i really really appreciate it so look that's all in all about the texas chainsaw massacre from 2003 i think it's brilliant i love it but before we wrap this shit up let's talk about some of the trivia that uh that imdb had to offer so erica leeson who played pepper Screamed so loudly during her screen test that people in other parts of the building called the police to report that a woman was being attacked. I see that happening because Erica Leeson, she wouldn't stop screaming during this movie. And that's actually something that I could put down in dislikes. It got a bit annoying. Not going to lie. Um, on the final, on his final day of shooting, Eric Balfour, who played Kemba, Stripped down, threw his wardrobe back to the crew, and walked off set only wearing a baseball cap. Good on you, man. Let that dick fly. There's a homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 regarding each film's leading ladies, Erin in 2003 and Sally. In the remake, Erin pulls out a knife to pick a lock. When asked where she got it from, she replies, From my brother. In the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sally's brother Franklin is obsessed with his knife and at one point in the film gives it to Sally. She never returns it. So that's a cool nod that they did that I didn't even pick up. During the scene in the van with Arlie Ermey and Jonathan Tucker, who played Morgan, Tucker forced the gun down his throat in order to make himself vomit every take. If you watch carefully, you can see him spit the vomit out of his mouth in that scene. And that's what I'm saying. The acting is so great. He went above and beyond to pull that scene off. And I think that's awesome. Here's something that would have been absolutely brutal if they kept in this movie. Jediah, the little boy, the, the little boy with the really out of place teeth was going to be killed by Leatherface by slicing his chainsaw through his back because he let Aaron and Morgan go. 
This was later scrapped because the filmmakers thought it was too intense. I get it, it would have been, but there's a little bit of me that really would have liked to have seen that, so... Damn it. Last piece of trivia I've got is Daniel Pearl, cinematography, cinematographer, sorry, of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, reprised the position for this movie. As did um, John Larroquette, who did the narration for the original movie and this one as well. And uh, that, that's unreal that they brought people back for this one. So yes, that is my discussion on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. Clearly one of my favorites. I mean, I've got it tattooed on me. I've got the poster up in my bedroom wall. <laughs> Makes me sound like I'm 12. But yes, I love this movie. I love Weatherface. It's my favorite horror icon out there. And uh, you should definitely search this out and have a rewatch if you haven't watched it for a while. Um, so I had a lot of fun rewatching this. I haven't seen it for a number of years. So yes, that is it for episode 96 of Horror for Dummies. This episode wouldn't have been the same without each and every one of you guys listening. And I cannot thank you enough for sticking with me. It was a bit of a rougher one since it was just me. And my mouth is drier than... Uh, I don't, I don't know, a nun's asshole, whatever. Um, but we are continuing our, uh, our chainsaw, the season of the saw with next week. We are going to continue the Hewitt saga with the prequel to this movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning from 2006. This one will be fun to discuss uh, because... Well, we'll get into it next week, but hopefully we'll have Jaleesa back next week. Um, she can incorporate some of her thoughts onto what she thought about this film, um, along with the, the beginning. Um, and after that, we're going to try and do another Texas Chainsaw Massacre related property, which is something different, but we'll get to that later. But until then, please like and um uh, Rate and review us on the iTunes app or Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a five-star review and let us know why you love listening to us. <laughs> that really helps. You can find us at Facebook, Horror for Dummies at Facebook, uh, Instagram or Letterboxd. You can search up what we've been watching and follow all that stuff. That's always good fun. Um, and get in contact with us. If you want to... Uh, talk about something that we've, we've talked about or you want to make a comment do it let us know and I'll read your email or, or mail or message out on the uh, on the air uh, we appreciate every one of you guys so until next time I've been Tim this has been Horror for Dummies goodbye <laughs>